good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in the book of Hebrews. We have, let's see, we read chapter 7 last time. We're ready to read chapter 8 at the end of chapter 7. The Hebrew writer is telling us that the law appoints men as high priests who are weak. You know, they're, they're frail, they're dying men, people. But the word of the oath of God, which came after the law, permanently appoints the Son, Jesus Christ, Jesus, our Lord, who has been made perfect forever, permanently appoints him as our eternal high priest. So, now there's a reason for this, and he's going to get into this in this chapter, so I'm not going to try to uh, speak about it ahead of time. We're reading chapter 8 of the book of Hebrews. This is uh, verse 1. I am reading in the Amplified Bible. Now the main point of what we have to say is this. We have such a high priest, the Christ who is seated in the place of honor at the right hand of the throne of the majesty God in heaven, a minister officiating priest in the holy places and in the true tabernacle, which is erected not by man, but by the Lord. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. So it is essential for this one also to have something to offer. Now if he were still living on earth, he would not be a priest at all, for there are priests who offer the gifts to God in accordance with the law. They serve as a pattern and foreshadowing of what has its true existence and reality in the heavenly things, sanctuary. For when Moses was about to erect the tabernacle, he was warned by God, saying, See that you make it all exactly according to the pattern which was shown to you on the mountain. But as it is Christ has acquired a priestly ministry, let me, let me read that again because I missed the, the comma, but as it is, Christ has acquired a priestly ministry which is more excellent than the old Levitical priestly ministry, for he is the mediator, arbiter of a better covenant uniting God and man, which has been enacted and rests on better promises. So he is, you know, our high priest of this covenant. He is the mediator for us or arbiter with God. I'm going to continue on. Verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion for a second one or an attempt to institute another one, the new covenant. However, God finds fault with them showing its inadequacy when he says, Behold, the days will come, says the Lord, when I will make and ratify a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not abide in my covenant, and so I withdrew my favor and disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will imprint my laws upon their minds, even upon their innermost thoughts and understanding, and engrave them upon their hearts, affecting their regeneration. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and it will not be necessary for each one to teach his fellow citizen, or each one his brother, saying, No, 
by experience have knowledge of the Lord, for all will know me by experience and have knowledge of me, from the least to the greatest of them, for I will be merciful and gracious toward their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. When God speaks of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete, and whatever is becoming obsolete out of use annulled and growing old is ready to disappear. Now that is the end of chapter 8. Chapter 8 is rather short, but the Hebrew writer is pointing out what God has said and what days are going to be coming, but they're not coming, they're here. But when this was said and written in the Old Testament, in the, in the Old Scriptures, this was a promise, something that was to come. But now he's saying, look, this is now. This time is here. This time is now. And, you know, God does give us his word. You know, if we are faithful and we are studying and learning, he does give us his word and, and he gives us uh, his laws, as you say, and engraves them on our hearts that we want to be kind and loving to others and have mercy and have justice and have mercy. You know, justice, God's justice is full of mercy, and thank God it is, you know. Um, I don't deserve the mercy I get, but it's but I am thankful for it. And, you know, that is, that is a big deal and that should be a big deal to each of us if we think about that from a from a humble standpoint and, and I'm not you know trying to say that I'm necessarily always very humble either I need to be a lot better about all these things but nonetheless um, this is the time we are in now and and I'm, I'm I'm kind of, I was kind of surprised when this was brought back to my remembrance. It will not be necessary for each one to teach his fellow citizen. Now, here we're talking about fellow citizens. So fellow citizens would be fellow Christians, citizens of the kingdom of God. You know, we are the citizens of the kingdom. So saying it will not be necessary for each one to teach his fellow. And, and that's true. We don't have. We don't need to necessarily teach everyone or teach each other. We all have the Bible, actually. We all have a way to learn and grow and to follow God and His will. But we do still enjoy or want to share God's Word with each other and want to grow in it together and help one another. So just because it says it will not be necessary or not, you know, just because of that doesn't mean we won't, you know, still helping help guide one another and help each other along the path. Um, it just means it's not always totally necessary, especially now. I mean, we have, for one, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling within us with to help lead and guide us, and then we have we have God's holy word, the Bible. So we really have it a lot better. In, in both those ways. You know, they used to have the scriptures, which, you know, the scriptures were probably mainly kept at the temple or in a certain place, and, you know, you couldn't just pull them out and read them anytime you wanted. And then, too, <clears throat> they did not have the Holy Spirit indwelling in them back then. And that's something to note, too. 
at least not not that I know of according to what I'm reading that really came into play after Jesus so I don't see that happening before then um, for all all the Jews or all of Israel now if I'm incorrect you can always let me know that's fine but that's my understanding so <clears throat> and I think that's a big part of this too so this is he's bringing to mind he's pointing out this promise and that God would be merciful and gracious and he would remember our sins no more so this is all the new covenant that God was promising and that's the new covenant that we have now and that's what the Hebrew writer is pointing out so this is the end that is the end of chapter 8 well, thank you for listening hope you have a wonderful day may the Lord bless you and keep you safe and remember God loves you